Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Well, good morning. Uh, yeah, as I said, I'm Mike. Uh, I work in the church office and I'm part of the youth team, amongst other things. Um, so yeah, across our sites today, we have the youth taking over. Uh, we've got youth serving in, in way more areas than normal, um, deciding that we get even less healthy snacks than normal. Um, and at City Centre site, Sam, one of our uh, older youth, is preaching as well, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, we, we're hearing from youth about their stories, and that's how I want to start. I want to tell a little bit of mine. So... I met God properly, deeply, and undeniably for the first time when I was around 11 at a Christian holiday called Spring Harvest. As an 11-year-old, the best thing about Spring Harvest wasn't the youth clubs, although the youth clubs are good. Oh, no. No, the best thing is that it's held at Butlins, the home of the water park, the whitewater rapids, the wave pool, and the water slide. Now, one day during that trip, I'd finally convinced my dad that on the condition that I wasn't too tired, we would go swimming after the evening session this being probably the third trip of the day. Um, So, (laughs) as you can imagine, the session rolls to a close, and I wasn't especially engaged. If you want to lick it of your life to Jesus, I've done that already. Let's stay in this place while people are praying. I'd rather leave this place and go swimming. (laughs) I will sing your praises forevermore, and evermore, and evermore. But then, a peace filled wave of nothing just blew through me. I will sing your praises. You are loved. Sing your praises. You are loved. And over and over for what felt like hours, but was probably only about five minutes, wave after wave of peace, acceptance and love crashed over me. And what was, I realized many years later, my first experience of the Holy Spirit doing his thing. So that night, I get back to our little Butlin chalet, completely buzzing, hyper, and still filled with the Holy Spirit, something that in my church was not a thing. So my parents did what most would. They saw my being hyper as evidence of being overtired and canceled the swimming trip. Yeah. So hours after my bedtime, after climbing the sofa and building a fort and destroying the fort and playing cards and throwing the cards and eating a second dinner and then talking to my parents at a speed that only my family could understand, eventually my dad, tired and frustrated, took me like a dog for a walk. (laughs) I burnt off the energy and he apologized for misreading the situation. But that week, for the rest of the holiday, I was still buzzed and I engaged in a way that I never had before. Even though I'd been, quite frankly, robbed of the chance to go down a water slide in the dark, that week I'd finally moved from having a technical understanding of God's love to knowing God's love. My perspective had radically shifted. And that moment, that first time when someone encounters the deep abiding love that God has for them, watching it break down walls and helping them start to process what that might mean for them afterwards. That's one of the reasons why I love taking our youth to things like DTI, which Chris is going to talk about some more. But that moment is not the end, is it? See, we don't just meet Jesus and then become a fully formed, uh, mature Christian who has everything together. No. Um, Even buzzing from that life-changing Holy Spirit moment, I can guarantee that I was very unpleasant to my parents in response to being told the swimming trip was off. Life is a complex journey. 
We grow, we stumble, we get back up, we grow some more, hopefully. And in all of that, the most fruit comes from being in community. Just like Jeff spoke about last week. It's in community that we are truly known. That people with more experience can speak into our situation. Just as we get to speak into the situations of those who aren't as far down the road as us. I would argue that one of the biggest strengths of the church is mentoring. It's community. And the added bonus is that supporting somebody else's spiritual journey isn't just about helping them. It goes both ways. I have lost count of the number of times that I've learned more about my relationship with God while hanging out with our youth, while chatting through some of the more complex topics, or just sitting back and letting the older youth debate something. You would be surprised how much spiritual depth you can find in a late-night, hot chocolate-fueled, heated debate about the theological merit of any given Disney Pixar movie. In the, in the early church, Timothy, a young leader, was being mentored by Paul, and I'd love to jump into one of his letters. So uh, you can follow on screen um, or open your Bible, however you prefer. Uh, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses uh, yeah, 3 to 6. So, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I, am reminded, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother and your mother. Timothy didn't form his faith in a vacuum, nor did he simply learn from his leader and crack on. No, he was surrounded by family, by community, and they supported him and fed into him, and with that historical and continued support behind him, he led the church, including those who were supporting him. We thrive when surrounded by other perspectives, people around us who love Jesus and can show us what we're missing in any given thought process. And it's so important to seek that out and be humble enough to listen. In the Second World War, Abraham Wald was hired to design armor for planes to make them safer. Metal was expensive, and a heavy plane can't fly as far, so it's fairly important to use as little armor as possible. Now, being a statistician, he went to work gathering good, hard data. And he came back with a diagram like this. What we're looking at is a breakdown of the damage, en damage that engineers reported seeing on the planes. Wherever it was red, they saw damage. Now, with this information, the instinctive conclusion was to put the armour where it's red and move on. But there's a missing piece. There's a different perspective that we don't see. And that was the other planes. Because actually, planes get shot all over in a war. The difference is that if you get hit in those spots where there are no red dots, your plane falls out the sky, and then you don't get to become a statistic that the engineers can use. So on his recommendation, the Air Force put armour in the places that they hadn't thought of and they were able to massively improve the safety of their planes and their pilots. If we're missing information that can only be seen from another person's perspective, we are missing out on the truth that God wants to bring through them. If I wasn't surrounded by community, then when going down an overly negative train of thought, I, would have people, I wouldn't have people around me to give me a cup of tea, lovingly call me a plonker, and then remind me of the truth, in, uh, of God's truth in whatever situation that I'm in at the time. Now, in youth, one of the topics that I most often come back to 
is reminding them of the value that they have purely of sons, as sons and daughters of God, of their identity. But after that, the next most common topic is the value that they bring to those around them, that God made them as they are deliberately, and that he has great things in store for them, and that through him they can have a life-changing effect on the people around them, whether they feel like it right now or not. But that message is not just relevant for teenagers who are still trying to work out their place in the world. Because God made you deliberately. He has great things in store for you. And through him, you can have a life-changing effect on the people around you, whether you feel like it right now or not. The truth is that we spend so much time being bombarded by media, showing people being amazing and doing amazing things. And then we think of our own fairly average lives and start to feel, consciously or not, like a square peg in a round hole. Which reminds me of this absolute banger that surfaced a few years back. This is a square. Can you guess which spot that goes in? That's right, it goes in the square hole. And how about this rectangle? That one, that goes in there too. Up next, we've got this thin rectangle. Can you guess where that goes? That's right, it goes in the square hole. And up next, a cylinder. Hmm, I think that goes in the square hole. Now, we've also got this semicircle right here. Do you see a slot that would fit the semicircle? That's right, it's the square hole. Okay, up next, the triangle. We know what hole that goes into, right? That's right, the square hole. And up, la up next, we have the arch. And you guessed it, it goes in the square hole. Now, apologies for those of you who really wanted to push him out the way and do it properly. Of course, obviously, depending on who you are, that man is either a genius or an anarchist who must be stopped. Uh, the point, though, is that while God has made us all differently, and we therefore all have something different to add to this beautiful family of God, the world will often tell us we're the wrong shape and we should make ourselves fit into the right hole. If we aren't listening to godly people with different perspectives, we can simply accept that as truth and not think we have anything to bring. So we need to be surrounding ourselves with people with different perspectives because somebody else needs yours. And it's that's the point I want to finish this little mini message with. It's the first message that the Holy Spirit brought through the church after Jesus. This is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has fallen for the first time and the people around Jesus' followers are judging them based on what they see from their perspective. Much like my parents thinking I was overtired, what they saw looked like a bunch of drunk people. So we're in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 14 to 18. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. 
See, it's easy to forget that this was to a crowd 2,000 years ago, where the expectation was that the educated middle-aged man would do the leading, religious or otherwise, and that everybody else could just sit down. And in that context, where women weren't taught to read, let alone lead, and where Jesus had to explicitly say, let the children come to me, because they presumed that he didn't want to hear from them. Not to get overly vineyard on you, but in the church's first outing, in their introduction to the world, the message that the Holy Spirit gave to Peter was that everybody gets to play. No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what culture or socioeconomic background you're from, male or female, rich or poor, old or young, single or married, you have a God-given perspective that could be the key to unlocking an area that someone else is stuck in. You cannot be too old to, say some, uh, to have something to bring, and you can't be too young to understand something that others don't. God says you have value, you have a place, and through how he made you, your experiences, and what the Holy Spirit has put in you, you have something vital to add to this family. So I'm going to pass on to Chris, who's going to talk about what a wonderful time DTI is uh, and encourage us to get involved somehow and all of the things he's going to say. Um, but what I want to say is whether or not you feel like you can engage with, with helping with youth or going to DTI or all the different things he's going to talk about, and I think anybody can do some of that, doesn't matter where you are in your life right now, you have a place, you have value, and God will use you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.